This is Scott Becker with the Becker's Healthcare Podcast. Today, I'm thrilled to be joined by Katie Adams. Katie Covers is a brilliant journalist who covers health IT and digital health. She's going to talk today about the three most interesting articles that she worked on this past week. I think it'll give a good insight into what people are thinking about in the health IT and digital health area. Katie, why don't you take it away and tell us what are the three interesting articles or issues that you're following right now? Tell us what's, what's on your mind and what you're seeing out there. Yeah, so last week I dove into a study um, about EHR burnout and um, all the hours per day that clinicians spend doing uh, documentation after their work hours. Um, and it found that physicians who use EHR spend an average of 1.84 hours a day, so pretty much two hours a day completing documentation outside work hours. Um, and nearly 33% of physicians spend two hours or more completing documentation outside work hours daily. So you see so many startups and companies focusing on automating um, some of these EHR and documentation processes. And um, I think studies like this reinforce how game-changing that technology can be, um, especially in terms of the feelings of burnout that clinicians face. Um, because, yeah, their, their burden, their documentation burden is very real. And that's a crazy amount of documentation burden, an hour to two hours a day. It's just an insane amount. What is What are some of the solutions look like to this? How is that possible that it's that much time per day? And, and how do they solve this? How do we get better at this? Because we're not going away from EHRs. We know that. So how how is it that we get better at and improve upon this? There's a lot of a lot of those efforts center around machine learning and artificial intelligence. So you see a lot of hospitals adopting um, NLP or natural language processing, which can help pick up a lot of the interactions that are happening um, within in-person visits to help kind of record some of the some of the action that's taking place during the appointment, so that um, a lot of that documentation can be automated. So. A lot of these uh, tools that you can embed into your EHR um, just automate some of these processes by using algorithms and machine learning and artificial intelligence and things like that. And, and there's been more and more discussion that over the years. It reminds me of the old days of sort of dragon naturally speaking, and this is before your time as I'm much older, but they, they used to be these this software that you could dictate into and it would transcribe for you, and it went from being awful to quite good. And there's been all this discussion about ambient listening, ambient learning, where exactly as you talk about it in the operating room, it could pick all these things up and then record in the patient's medical record without the physician having to do quite as much manual work to do it, um, you know, he or she. How, what is the pace of adoption of this? What's the progress being made here? What's your, what, what are you hearing and, and what are people saying? Well, as you were talking about how this tool, at first, it didn't work very well, it wasn't that helpful, and then it turned out to be quite good. That's where a lot of these automation tools are. They need to get refined and used more in practice so that a lot of these models can, you know, achieve the accuracy that a hospitals need and so that they could be more, could be used in more, you know, blanket settings. So when we see bigger health systems sponsor, you know, innovation accelerators and digital health tech incubators, things like that. A lot of them do focus on automating EHR tasks because, um, you know, these incubators collaborate with clinicians who are working at the health system and they're 
often, you know, clamoring for new tools that automate these kind of things because they know how much time it can suck out of their day. So um, it requires a lot more training um, and real use cases to kind of perfect these practices, but they're definitely in development. But, but making progress, and hopefully we'll see the kind of progress in the next couple of years we've seen in some other areas where AI has been attached to and being used for. Katie, what other stories are you watching right now? What else is of interest this last week? So I posted a story today exploring, about in the past month or so, some of the ways that hospitals and health systems have been spending their innovation investment dollars. Um, and a lot of these have been on companies that offer software, uh, such as some of the EHR automation software we had just been talking about. But um, there's kind of a wide variety of products and companies that um, health systems are investing in. So um, Care, which is a Nina, Wisconsin-based health system, uh, recently participated in a fun and round for Qventus, which is an AI um, company that makes automation software that can reduce excess stays and decrease length of stay. So, um, you know, that's a company that they think could make a real impact on some of, you know, automating some of their processes and making things more efficient. OSF, another company in the Midwest, a Peoria, Illinois-based health system, uh, joined a funding round for Epitel, which makes wearable devices to predict seizures. And they're also going to help collaborate with the company to commercialize that device. Um, Henry Ford Health and Multicare Health System in Washington um, agreed to provide early financing for an investment fund that supports digital health startups that make medical devices, digital health products, new care delivery models. So they kind of partnered up with that venture firm to make sure companies like that receive funding and um, can develop their research and you know product development accurately. Uh, Kaiser Permanente um, participated in a funding round for OsoVR. Uh, so that's a virtual reality startup that uses virtual reality to help young surgeons or um, surgeons who need new types of training and can assess um, how well they're learning these new techniques. Um, so yeah, there's been a lot of investments in the past month or so, and it's been across you know a whole array of digital tools digital health tools, and that's only some of them. So there's been a lot of uh, variety in the space recently. No, fascinating, right? I mean, and, and I know I'm familiar with Qventus, predictive analytics company, CEO Muda Garg, bright, bright people. Um, so fascinating. So a lot and lots of interest from health systems, having a seat at the table, having some dollars in these things, having some investments, trying to use it for multiple different purposes and to try and fund things they believe in and think could be good solutions. Phenomenal. So we've talked about the EHR, how much burden and the use of ambient technology to try and improve that in the operating room. We've talked about health systems more and more aggressive about investing in startups and earlier stage companies that are in healthcare. Katie, what else are you watching currently? What else is interesting out there? Uh, I posted an article today where I was talking to some executives from uh, some big health systems about how they manage their online reputations. So um, there's a brand management firm called Reputation that releases these reports um, on the reputations of various large companies and how um, consumers and patients perceive them online. They do a lot of healthcare-specific reports. And recently, they looked at the 25 largest U.S. health systems by 2021 revenue. 
um, and compiled a list of the 15 with the best patient reviews. So I reached out to some of those hospitals that made that top 15 list to talk about how they manage their online patient reviews. Um, and the responses are pretty interesting. I think um, something that a lot of these systems that had success in this area were doing were responding to their online reviews and doing so very, very quickly. So at Universal Health Services, which is based in Pennsylvania, they had responded to 18,000 online reviews in 2021, uh, and that was a 93% response rate. And typically all those responses came within 24 hours of when the review was posted. So all positive reviews received pos um, you know, response gratitude, all responses that were negative or neutral or brought up a problem, um, directed the reviewer to contact the hospital directly to you know, engage privately and let them come to a solution. Um, so yeah, Banner Health, their um, associate vice president of marketing and public relations said something similar that, you know, they have a 24-7 social response team that monitors all that activity, whether it's positive or negative, um, in response to those posts in a very timely manner. So they said their average response time for that team is one hour, and they manage around 4,500 online engagements per month. So uh, really having a dedicated team that kind of stays on top of that seemed like that was bringing success to these hospitals that had um, stellar online reputations. But, but that's a fascinating discussion, isn't it? Because, I mean, you look at some like Universal Health Services, a very good health system, not really an acute care health system, at least not mostly. No one would think of it as a Mayo or a Cleveland Clinic or something of that sort, even though it's a very good health system, very good at what they do. And Mark Miller, the CEO, terrific person. But but by managing their online reviews well, they are, you know, they are doing a tremendous job of improving their online reputation, uh, which is different than sort of a U.S. News and World Report, who's the best health system and who provides the best care. But business-wise, reputation-wise, very, very important. It's really a fascinating study, isn't it, Katie? I mean, it's it's a fascinating study for good and for bad. Um, it's not necessarily indicative of better health care. It's indicative of better online reputation through this kind of management. Yeah, um, I definitely think that it's an important thing to manage because most most consumers or patients when they're choosing which hospital to go to for their care um, are looking at what other people in their area are saying about when they receive care at that hospital. So um, knowing, you know, that competition is a very real thing, I think these health systems really provided some great insight about their strategy to how they can, you know, get a leg up and really stay on top of those reviews. Uh, it's so true. So true. And I, I agree with you 100 percent how important it is for a health system to manage this. But it, but it really does also show how a very good health system or great health system can play above their weight or improve their rankings by managing this well. So, I mean, and, and, and what you said is fascinating that there's full-time people at these systems now managing this stuff full-time because it's so important to the hospital's reputation. I mean, it's just very important. And responsiveness, like anything in any business, is so, so important. So, yeah, I don't, I don't want to take the, the strength of the message and how important this is. It just is a fascinating study to me, you know, in, in terms of how it ends up impacting perception and reputation, which is so important. Um, fascinating, Katie, just absolutely fascinating. Uh, anything else you wanted to add there? No, I think um, if you wanted to dive deeper into some of their strategies, um, the article's on the site, but yeah, it was mostly um, just interesting to get a look at what, what different systems did there. 
and, and what a big impact it has on their online reputation and how it has on their reputation by managing this. So whether you love it or not, if you're a health system, ultimately you better be doing this is what it sounds like. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and, and again, there are pitfalls in this as well. There's a great article today about uh, companies being sued for artificially managing their online reputations and their brand reputations. And so I, I know it, that's a big area of lawsuits too. So it's got to be done. It, it's important to do it. It's important to do it ethically and responsibly as well, both. But it's a, it's a fascinating area. And it's, it seems like a burgeoning area, a really growing area, where people have more and more full-timers just on this role or outsourced on this role. Just absolutely fascinating. Katie Adams, thank you as always for joining us. Always brilliant, always thoughtful, uh, just phenomenal. Thank you so much for taking the time to visit us today on the Factors Healthcare podcast. Thank you.